Well, today is the last Sunday morning that we get to meet as Eagles Wing Church in the year 2015. I have to remind myself what year it is. I'm, I'm getting to that place where they're coming faster and faster and faster, and I'm losing track of them, so I wrote it down. But 2015 didn't last long. I don't know about you, but it didn't last long for me, okay? It's come and gone. It's, uh, it's almost gone. Friday will be uh, the first day of the new year will inaugurate the new year, and 2016 will, will be born. Thursday night at midnight, 2015 passes away. It's gone. It's in the past. In fact, most of it's in the past already. Okay? But today, we kind of stand in that in-between place. We, we stand uh, still experiencing the old year, but looking forward uh, to the new one. And maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at 2016 with anticipation. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at 2016 with dread. Those are the two outlooks that that we have. But one thing about it, 2016 will be a, a new year. It'll be a fresh year. It'll have fresh opportunities and it'll have new beginnings. That's that's what happens in a new year. It will hold surprises, Okay. How many of you were surprised in 2015? I think probably all of us were. Those surprises will be good, and some of them will be bad. Some of them will be beneficial, some of them will be harmful. A new year brings with it, in it, and with it, hopes that things will get better. If you're you're struggling, if you struggled in 2015, 15, then hopefully 2016 will be the year when you don't struggle any longer. Then things get better. And so we look at the new year and we want things to be better. We want things to be different and and maybe even perhaps to get a fresh start. You know, I I don't know about you, but God is the God of fresh starts. If if you've messed up and, and listen, here's the reality of being a human being. We have all messed up this year. Let's just be honest. We like to judge everybody else's mess-ups, but we don't look very often at our own mess-ups. And here's the reality. A mess-up is a mess-up. It's a mess. And so we need to stop judging and start looking at our own houses, start pointing at our own the things that we've done wrong. But very often, a new year gives a fresh start. And so today... As a church, we're going to look back a little bit with thanksgiving and anticipation and expectation of the things God's going to do. Not going to, but will do. I believe there are some things that He will do in 2016. Today, we we want to celebrate the things that God has done for us and the things He wants to do for us and through us in 2016. Today's kind of a moment to pause. Okay, 2016 is not here. We can dream some dreams, and, and I don't think you can outdream God. Okay, God has some, some big dreams that He has that He wants His people to embrace and dream with Him. And so 2016 is an opportunity to dream dreams with the prospects yet to be fulfilled. And so today we've chosen to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a family. Of faith, and, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the Lord's table. Okay, this, this, this table doesn't belong to this church. This table is the Lord's. He's the one who, who sits at the head of it. And so everyone who knows Jesus 
as their Lord and their Savior, uh, are welcome to have a seat at it and welcome to participate. Here in front of us is the Lord's table. And it's a perfect illustration of what I'm trying to really to communicate this morning. I, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, I grew up, and this was a mystery to me. And I, I got this is kind of a special moment for me because as we've celebrated the Lord's uh, a supper and our communion, uh, we've used a plastic table. This takes me back to when I was a child. The same, the first communion I can ever remember was served on a table just exactly like this. And so I, I, there's all kind of memories that are, are flooding my mind. But I grew up and, and I looked at this and I, I didn't really understand it. And I went through Bible college and seminary and I still didn't really understand it. Because it was just, it was a mystery. Man, they were, when, when, it, when it started, the pastor, you know, he had on this dark suit and this somber tie. And, and when he called forth the, the, the people that would serve it, they all had on dark suits and somber ties. And, I, you know, it, it just, it looked like a body. Okay? And, and I just didn't understand it. And, and as I begin to, to study the Lord's Supper, and as I begin to, 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 to begin to understand what Jesus was trying to communicate here, I realized that, that it is somber at some moments. But it's also a table of, of, of joy and excitement. It's a celebration. We are celebrating something. And this morning, we're going to celebrate what Jesus did. But, but it's not just a look back into the past, folks. It's a look into the future. Because He's coming. Okay? He's not just a dead Savior buried in a tomb somewhere. He's alive. Amen. The tomb couldn't hold Him. And He has promised to return. And so every time we participate in this meal, we look back. We remember, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. We remember what Jesus did. But I love the last few words that Paul records in 1 Corinthians 11. Until he comes. Until he comes. There will be a moment. Hasn't happened yet. But there's going to be a moment when we will no longer celebrate this meal. Because we will no longer have to remember what he did. Because he will be with us. It will be visible what he did at every moment. I, I know that, that many of you realize this. But, but Jesus has a resurrection body. Okay? Jesus in, in, in the incarnation which we have celebrated with gusto over Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because God became flesh. He became a human being. He united with humanity. And folks, He will always be the God-man. He will always have a human body. Now, it's resurrected. Okay? It, it's, it's different in some senses than our bodies. It's not limited. But there are things on His body that will remind us for eternity of what He, do, he did. We'll no longer have to, to celebrate with, with the symbols of, of, of wine and bread. We can look at His wrists. We can look at His foreheads. We can see His feet. We can see His side. Those scars that, that were a part of the cross will remind us for eternity what He did for each of us. That He died on the cross for us. And so this morning... As we, as we come to celebrate this, this is a, 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 a supper that is kind of frozen in time. It's, it's a supper that, that is frozen in history. It's a, it's a moment 
that causes us to look back at what Jesus has done while at the same time looking forward with anticipation to the moment when he comes again. So it's, it's kind of like that. When I was, let me give you an illustration of kind of what I'm talking about. Several years ago, and it's, you know, I, I'm going to use the term several because it's been several years ago. But uh, I was going to, uh, it was the late 80s, I guess. I was going to, to, to Bible college, and uh, I was in the plumbing business. And for the first time since I'd gone in business, uh, I, I had calendared work. Okay, that meant, I mean, I had scheduled stuff for not days, not a day in advance, but for weeks. Now, if you've ever been in business and you, and you love us, it was day to day. And so that's a joyous time, okay, because for a lot of us, it was day to day. And so I had, I had several weeks out in advance, and, and my truck, the engine locked up in it. Well, I was just one man in a truck. And so I went over to my mom's, my dad at that time, uh, was uh, bedridden with Alzheimer's and dementia, and he no longer could drive. And he parked his old truck out in the field, and he had been out there for two or three years. And I was in a bind. I needed a truck. And so I asked Mother, Mother, can I buy Dad's truck? She said, yeah, you know, whatever you want to give me for it will be fine. And I'm just praying it'll crank. And so I go out there, and, and I start I open the door, and my dad stored his tools and everything he had in that truck. So I had to unload the front seat of the, the old truck. And it was a, it was a, a 78 Chevy. I, st- I have it. I still have it today. And um, dad never saw a fence post he didn't want to run over. And so it bears the scars of a lot of fence posts, okay? And uh, so I began to clean that out. I went around and... And I took the breather off and, and cleaned the rat nests out of the breather. And if you've ever worked on a car that's set up for a while, you understand what I'm talking about. But uh, the rats thought a hotel had moved in, and so they occupied it. And so I got that cleaned out, and I came back around, and I noticed down under the steering wheel there was, there was a gallon galvanized bucket. And in that bucket were the tools that my dad used. And he, he kind of kept them in a bucket. And so... Uh, you know, I thought, oh, this is awesome. So I reached in, I grabbed the bucket. Well, under the bucket, there was another resident, and it was a big snake, okay? It was a black snake, but I don't know about y'all. This is, this is my motto, the only good snake's a dead snake, one without a head. Well, this black snake was as surprised to see me as I was to see it, and it began to flip and to flop, and, and you know, I, I grabbed, Dad had a crowbar sticking out, so I, instead of just... <coughs> beating it in the hamburger, I, I started to try to poke its head and pin it down. Well, he, he flipped and he flopped and I poked and, 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 and screamed and all kind of stuff. And, and finally, he just slid up under the dash. <laughs> well, here I am, the truck. I got to have a truck because I got to go to school tomorrow and I got to go to work tomorrow. And it's about 40 miles to school, and on and on and on it goes. So I got in the truck, and it cranked, and it, it, it drove well. And I rode with the windows down and the, the doors open <laughs> across the road and down to my house, and I parked it. I went and got some mothballs. I filled that baby up, rolled the windows back up. And the next morning, I came out, cleaned all that out, 
prayed really hard and, and started across town. I had to go over on 280, uh, over close to, uh, well, before you get to the summit, it was, it, the school I was going to was located there. But all the way over there, in the back of my mind, you know what? At any moment, that snake could decide to come out and get on my feet. What am I going to do? And so it's in the back of my mind the whole time. And when I got up on Red Mountain Expressway, it really got hold of me, okay? Because there's no place to go. I mean, it's not like you can jump out and run. And so what I did is I drove with one eye on the floorboard and one eye on the road. Because you realize you can't drive with both eyes on the floorboard, okay? But I was, I mean, I was back, I was cross-eyed. I was looking for the snake with an eye, and I was looking down the road with the other. And as we, as we partake of this meal, we're looking back with our spiritual eye, one of them. And we're looking forward with our other one. Because if we look back with both, we lose our way. We get, we get hung up in something that, that Jesus never meant it to be. But if we don't look back with one, we look forward with both, we forget about what he did. How many of you realize that it's easy to forget? Any of you ever forget anything? Where you left your keys? What your password is? You know what I'm talking about. It's very easy to forget. So we have to live as believers with one eye in the mirror and one eye on, on the forward. We remember what Jesus did, but we realize that that's not the end of it. That he is going to return. That he is coming. And you know what? It doesn't take but a moment to bring that eye around when that moment happens. And so he's given us this meal really as a, as a memory tool. It's frozen in time, and it reminds us of his sacrifice. It reminds us of his broken body and his shed blood. It reminds us what he did on the cross. It was a memory tool for those disciples on that first night. You see, they were used to the Passover. But Jesus took the Passover uh, meal, and and the way that it was done, he turned it upside down, and he turned it into a different kind of meal. He turned it into a communion, or to what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. It was it was the 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 essence of the new covenant that he was making with his disciples and making with his followers. And it's it's a tool. It was a tool that night, and it's a tool even today. Us out of the kingdom of darkness. And into the kingdom of light. Out of, out of the, 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 the sure eternal death that stood before all of us. Into the abundant eternal life that Jesus had given us. And you know what? This meal, this same meal, has been shared over the last 2,000 years countless times. In innumerable ways by uncountable numbers of people. And they've all been doing the same thing. They've been looking back for a moment while looking forward to the future. I want you to listen this morning as, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at, at a couple of three verses here. Uh, these, these verses are usually the verses that you hear uh, 
read whenever uh, the Lord's Supper is celebrated. Paul uh, is writing to the, to the church there at Corinth. And I'll give you a little background. You may not realize this, but he is writing to a messed up church. Okay? They, they had all kinds of problems. And the reason he's addressing communion... The reason he's addressing the Lord's Supper is is because whenever they would celebrate the the Lord's Supper, they would do it with a huge meal. And if if you read it very closely, that's what Jesus did. They had the wine first, or they had the bread first, and then at the end of the meal, they would have the cup. They would have the wine. And so what was happening at Corinth is, is there were the early birds. You know who you are. And there were the late ones. They got there a few minutes after uh, the service started. You know who you are. And here's the deal. The early ones were getting there and they were drinking up all the wine and eating all the bread. And some of them were actually getting drunk. You say, that can't happen. Not in a church. They used grape juice. They used wine. Okay? And so Paul writes to address that. And as he, he addresses that, he, 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 uh, he rebukes them. But then he gives them some very sound teaching. And if if your Bible is like mine, it it has the words of Jesus written in red. You'll notice that these these words are in red. Because Paul is quoting Jesus. Look at at the end of verse 23. This won't be on the screen. I'm just going to give us the context a little bit. It says that Jesus took bread. And then in verse 24 it says, And when he had given thanks, when he had prayed, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in it, in remembrance of me. Did you hear what he said? Two times he says this. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying there, in essence, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's saying, every time you do this, I want this bread which represents my body and this wine which represents the blood that I'm going to shed to call back to your memory. I want it to, to be so real that you can, you can see it. You can see what I am going to experience. You can hear my teaching. You can hear my preaching. You can see the, the, the life that I lived. You can, you can know the work that I did. You can, you can see again the miracles. And above all, you can see my death on the cross. I want you to remember those things. I don't want you to forget it. So do it in remembrance of me. I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. I want you to smell it. I want you to taste it. In other words, I want it to be imprinted on your senses so that you don't ever forget it. Have you under, ever wondered why we just don't hold up a, 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 a little glass of, of, of juice and a, and a piece of bread and say, this is the Lord's blood and this is the Lord's body? Because that only affects a couple of senses, what you hear and what you see. But folks, when we put it in our mouth, when we, when we place that bread up there or that, or that juice up there, we can smell it. And we can taste it. And we can see it. 
We can experience it. It, it. it makes a complete moment for us to experience it. And when we experience it, we don't forget it. Jesus was saying, I, I want you to do it again and again and again so that you don't forget. How many of you remember the first grade? You, do you remember how many times you had to make an A? And how hard it was? What were we doing? We were, we were imprinting on our minds the memory of what the alphabet was so that we could learn the building blocks, so that we could write and we could speak and we could spell, so that we could, we could master as, as far as any of us have mastered the English language. We did it over and over and over. If you played sports, Whatever sport you played, there were certain things you did over and over and over. If it was baseball, you threw, you ran, and you hit, and you caught. If it was football, you blocked, and you tackled. And whenever you would lose a game, you would go back that next Monday, and you would block and you would tackle. Or you would hit and throw and catch or kick or whatever the sport is. Why? So that you could remember. So that you remember. Repetition. Is how we learn. And so Jesus says, I want you to experience this over and over and over. I want you to remember when you experience it how much I love you. And I don't just love that spirit part of you. I love your soul and I love your body. I love all of you. And I want you to remember that. And I don't want anything to cause you to forget it. Because Jesus knew that after he left, everything would come against those disciples. Everything in the world would try to steal their time and steal their memories. And listen, it has not changed. We live in the same kind of world they lived in. He said, I want you to remember it. And I don't want you to be afraid of the opposition and the lies that they're going to tell. If you just read your Bible in a casual manner, you will find that, that the, the day of the resurrection... The religious leaders of Jerusalem cooked up a lie to explain the empty tomb. Somebody came and stole his body away. Well, listen to me. Nobody stole his body because there was a, a huge cohort of Roman soldiers there. The most qualified killers the world has ever known. No, no, no fisherman, no tax collector, no group of ladies that followed him would have been able to have gotten in there without being destroyed and being killed. And so they concocted this lie and there was lie after lie after lie. And folks, we live in a day today when there is lie after lie after lie that will try its best to steal the truth of what Jesus was saying. And so he says, I don't want you to, 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 to believe the lies I don't want you to, to, to forget it when you're persecuted. You know what? When, when you're persecuted, it's easy to forget. When you're going through hard times, it's easy to forget. He said, I, I don't want you to, to even let the perils and the hardships of life cause you to forget. How many of you had a hard time this year at some point just because of life? All of us. You know, life is not a walk down the primrose path. It's not the yellow brick road. It's not cookies and, and, and milk all the time. It's tough. And when those things begin to, 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 to fall in on you and begin to cover you up, you know what? You, 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 you go into protection mode and survival mode, and everything that's not really important disappears. 
And Jesus said, I don't want you to forget what I did. It's that important. He said, I don't want anything to uh, dim uh, your memory of who I am and what I've done. I don't want you to forget how much I love you. See, he's, he's not, he wasn't just saying, I don't want you to forget what I've done. I want you to realize how much I love you and why I did this. It's because I love you. And I'm willing to die for you. And I'm willing to die the most horrendous death so that you can live. He said, I want you to remember that no matter what happens tomorrow or the next day or next year or for as long as you live. And so, folks, when we come to this, this meal, we come to this table, this is not a religious ritual. This is not something we wave our hands on and, and say, I bless you and go about your business. That's not what this is. This is not a, this is not a, a rite. It's not a ceremony. It's not something that, that we have to do to gain God's grace or His favor. This is a personal moment and a corporate moment. It's a personal moment for each of us who participate in this. It's a moment when we can remember, where I can remember what Jesus did. But it's also a corporate moment where as a, as a body, as a church, we remember what Jesus did for the church, what he, how He died for His bride. And so it's a, it's a corporate, it's a personal moment. And I, I want it to be personal for you. Okay? Because if you leave here and it hasn't been personal for you, you missed it. You got nothing out of it. This is not something where we go, all you hear is wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. Let's sing a song and be gone. See, that's why I don't tack this on to the end of the service. Because that's what I learned as a child. Now I realize the churches I was a part of and the pastors that I had never intended that. But that's just kind of human nature. What's important is what takes center stage. And what's not important is, is happens at the very end. That's the way we tend to do things. And so I, I, I made a commitment to God that whenever we celebrate this meal, we're going to make it the center. It is the service. Okay, it is the uh, what we so this is not a, a ride. It's not a ceremony. This is a personal moment for us to remember what Christ did. Memory helps us recall the details. See, there are certain things that have happened in my life that I can take. I can, you can you can mention it, and I can take you to where I was and tell you exactly what I was doing. There's one floating around right now in my mind that it's probably, it'll probably alienate half of you and the other half. I can remember exactly where I was the day that Bear Bryant died. I can tell you exactly. I can tell you what happened. I can tell you when I heard that news. I was with another guy. We were grown men, and we cried. Okay? He cried over there by himself. I cried over here by myself. I remember the day Ronald Reagan was, was shot. I know exactly where I was. I was in a house in Gardendale working on the plumbing. I, can, I remember just like that. There are certain moments that, that impress us. And there are other moments that should impress us that I couldn't tell you anything about except I know I was there. Okay? I'm not to be a moment that never we never forgot the details about. And so what we do is we remember 
what Jesus did on the cross. We remember how he, he surrendered his body to be broken. How, how he was beaten and bruised and crucified. And, and then he, he sacrifices his life in place of ours by shedding his blood. And it means we just take a long, hard look at the cost of our sin, folks. I mean, that's a part of this meal. But we don't beat ourselves to death because we have sinned. Are you listening to me? Man, I've been on the other end of some sermons at this time. When it came time to do this, I just wanted to fall on a sword and die. The last thing I wanted to do was put bread and juice in my mouth because I felt like I was going to be condemned to hell. That was not why Jesus instituted this meal. He instituted this meal so that we would remember, you know what, I've got a need. I mess up. I sin. But Jesus died to forgive that sin. See, we, we've majored on the wrong thing. Yes, we need to look at the inside of us and, and deal with it. But we don't beat ourselves up. We don't, we, don't, we don't cover ourselves with shame and guilt and remorse. No, we admit the depravity of our sin. And we shout with praise at the unmerited uh, favor and the unconditional love and grace of God. That He would even rescue us and redeem us from the pit we're in. We, we don't wallow in the memory of that. But we celebrate the rescue by our Savior and His amazing salvation that He's given to us. And folks, we also remember, for us, we do it personally and we do it corporately as, as what God has done for us as believers. And I've kind of, I've kind of wanted to tie this service together with, with us as a church and as individuals. If I, if I were to pass the microphone around this morning, and relax, because I'm not going to. But, but if I were, and every person got a chance at it this morning, there'd be a bunch of testimonies of what God has done in your life. There, there would be people that, that could talk about how, how God has saved me this year, that I've experienced His grace. There are some of you that could talk about how God has healed you. There are people in our body that God healed from cancer. Okay? The doctors told them, you have cancer, and it doesn't look good, and God healed them. There are others that were sick, and God healed them. There are others that, that have gone through issues, and God's delivered them. There are some of you that have, have, have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. If that's lost somebody you love this year, or, or there's been a relationship that's died, or a friendship that's died, and God's walking you through that valley. And he's taking you out on the other side. We could hear about the blessings. And we could hear about the rescues. And the miracles. And the answered prayers. And, and you know what? We would rejoice. I mean, we'd get so excited that, that people would be stomping their feet. And clapping their hands. And jumping up and down. And we'd shout. And we'd sing. And we'd dance. And, and we'd probably raise our hands. At least some of us would. We wouldn't sit with a solemn, sour Long, sad, somber looks on our faces. That's not what this meal is about. This meal is to remind us of those things. I mean, we, we, we ought to be like children on the edge of our, our chairs. We ought to be like the kids on Christmas morning when they got up and left their bed. That's what we ought to be like when we come to this meal. You know, as a body, not just as individuals, but as a body. We could celebrate where God's brought us from. You know, four and a half years ago, 
This body didn't even exist. Nobody knew anything about it except God and a couple of people. And today, you know what? We're almost 100 strong. Four years ago, we were meeting in a school cafeteria. And our children were meeting in hallways. And everything that we had, we hauled in on a truck. You want to know why some of these chairs look so bad? Because they've been hauled on trucks for a year. Every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. And you know what? Today, God has graciously placed us in a campus with a chapel and a fellowship hall and a children's educational building. At the beginning of this year, some of us knew this, but we knew that in September or October, we would no longer have a place to meet. Our landlord was not going to renew the, the, uh, the, the, the rent. He, he was, had other plans, which was fine. He gave me about a year and a half notice, so I knew that. But, you know, it's like tick, 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 and we're looking everywhere and in every, under everything, and there's nothing there. We really have a place to go. We've been in that facility for three years. And then in May, I got a phone call. And that phone call opened the door for us to move into a community and into a facility that had been loved and taken care of and treasured and protected by God. And in September, after a summer of a lot of cleaning and remodeling and painting and sprucing up, we had our first service on the 1st of September. Folks, that's what God has done for us as a body this year. We lost our worship leader. I mean, we, we didn't know what to do. But God didn't let our worship team die. He brought others in. Because it's His worship team. And some of us are still, my heart still hurts because I miss Russ. And, and I know some of you do. But you know what? God had more for us and he had something better for Russ. I don't understand that. But I glory in it. Mission-wise, we sent two teams to Mexico. I challenge you to go out and look and ask in, in churches that are our size, how many mission teams that, that God's sending out from there. But we sent two out. We had a team that went during the summer and worked in vacation Bible school. And then we took another team that went uh, there in September and, and we did medical and dental uh, clinics. And, and folks, we saw 54 people come to Jesus. And that's not children. The 99% of that were adults. That doesn't happen here. And we saw them come to Christ. There, there would be 54 people in heaven if, if the world ends today. That God used us to be a part of. We sent 130 or so boxes to Operation Christmas Child. And who knows how many people are going to come into the kingdom because of the boxes that you packed with love. And that you prayed over. And if, if they hadn't finished the boxes, we'd have taken 23 people over there a week from this past Friday. And we would have lovingly packed up some more and had an effect on that many more boxes. And we have, we have sent count. We've done, I mean, I, I, it's not countless, but we've done several 
projects in the community and ministered in, in issues with our, with our helping hands ministry in serving people this year. Folks, that's what Jesus has done. And he wants us, as we come to this table, to remember that. Okay? He's not through with us. We've seen two people come to Christ this year, and we've seen several families unite with membership. And like I said, we've been working in the community, and we're going to continue to work in the community, assisting those that need help. So today we need to remember how good Jesus is. How good he's been as we look back, but what he's going to do as we look forward in 2016. That may be the year he returns. And because of that, folks, we need to proclaim and to demonstrate his goodness and his glory and his good works to those around us. The Apostle Paul reminds us that there's a a purpose. Everything should have a purpose. We've spent the last... uh, Four, three and a half months, really, talking about the purpose of this church. Everything should have a purpose. And Paul reminds us that this meal has a purpose. And he spells it out there in verse 26, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six. 26. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, you preach the gospel. Every time we remember the goodness of Jesus and we remember his works among us and as we partake of this meal, we declare the gospel. Folks, we declare it with symbols that are very, very powerful. We don't just declare it to one another. We are declaring this to the angelic beings and the demonic host because they understand what this represents. And it's a powerful message. It's a powerful message to those angels because they know their king is coming back. And it's a powerful message to those demonic spirits because they know their time is short. And every time we partake of it, every time we put that bread in our mouth and that cup to our lips... We declare the gospel and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we do it with a powerful declaration that cannot be quieted and cannot be smothered and cannot be choked out. We proclaim with our actions. And listen to me, our actions are the most powerful tool of proclamation that we have in the world that we live in. People don't want to hear what you think about Jesus until you show them what Jesus looks like. That's what Jesus did. That's why he healed the sick and cast out the, the demons and, 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 and raised the dead. He wanted them to see what God's love looked like. And when they saw it, he explained it. And so, folks, we have a, a, a meal here a, a, that is, is packed with the gospel. And we proclaim it with our actions that we believe Jesus is enough. And that in being enough, we long for him to come back. You see, as we, as we look back, we're also looking forward with anticipation and excitement and exuberance. Because we don't believe he just died for us. We believe he is coming again for us. We remember so that we can look with expectancy at what he'll do. 
Folks, we live in the past. We live in between the past and the future. It's called now. Okay? Now. And this is a now celebration of a now moment. This is, this is, a mo- this is not the past or the future. It's now. And it's a moment where I can right now. And it's, it's an expectancy that I can experience his future and his power now. Not in the future. One of these days we'll all experience it, but I can experience it right now. I can experience his love unconditionally. I can experience his grace unconditionally now. Okay? Yes, we need to look forward and we need to look back, but some of us need to live right now. And get all we can get out of it. Some of us are are looking so forward to next year that we've forgotten that right now is the moment that will that will build and 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 fill next year. What you're doing now is what's going to happen then. You're building the foundation now for the future. And folks, the past of Jesus, what he did in the past, what we look back to. Gives us a future now. Folks. Abundant life. And eternal life. Does not begin when Jesus comes back. It began the moment. You accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. And we need to live abundantly. We need to live eternally. We need to begin to practice now. Because some of us are not going to find out when we get to heaven that we we missed the training session. And there's no instruction booklet. And so we're not not going to know how to act. I want to get there and go full speed whole hog, okay? I don't want to have to go to where the remedial class on worship or on who Jesus is. I I want to know him when I see him a mile away, our father. I want to know what to do. And so that's what we're here today to do. And that's what this meal helps us do, folks. I want to encourage you this morning. If there's sin in your life, just ask God to forgive it and get on with that, okay? And then I want you to come to this table with expectancy. See, sometimes God heals through the elements that we're going to serve. Sometimes God sets free through the elements that we use. Sometimes God gives dreams and visions and a future when I partake of it in faith. Sometimes God takes those, that chaos that's in my life and wipes it away with that bread and with that juice. And sometimes God just says, you know what? I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I love you. That's simple. With just the taste of that bread and the, and the taste of that cup. The literal body of Christ or the symbolic body of Christ? Let me just say that. He's here. Okay? He's here. These symbols represent Him. He's here. He's real. Okay? But when we lift them, these elements up, they don't become His blood and they don't become His flesh. They are symbols that He gave us to remember to pay attention to, that could take us back and help us understand and see what He had done. So that every time I put that bread on my tongue and that cup to my lips, I remember.
There, there's, a, there's a picture that goes through my mind of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for me. I, I, I can't paint you a picture. You have to have your own picture. Because you're the only one who knows what Jesus did for you. You're the only one who knows where he took you from and where he's brought you to. So this morning is, as we celebrate this meal, give your past to him and enjoy your future now. Okay? We're going to get ready, but before we do... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.